We are in Luke chapter 2. I guess I better move that down my tie a little bit. Boy, that one's hot. All right. Luke chapter 2. You follow along as I read aloud. Maybe I should just turn that off. Is that blasting you out? Yeah, somebody was playing with a sound system this past week. Somebody named Mike Goforth. And uh, had to rearrange some knobs and stuff. So maybe that'll be a little bit better. All right, we're going to begin reading uh, down in verse 7. You follow along silently as I read aloud. The scriptures tell us, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them, in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer this morning. Lord, we're thankful for the time together. God, I pray now that you'd fill me with the power of your spirit. Lord, I pray for the spiritual needs represented here this morning. Lord, there may be one here today. I know we're mostly uh, uh, regulars and stuff, but there may be one here today, Lord, that doesn't know for sure they're on the way to heaven. Lord, I pray today would be a day of glad tidings of peace and goodwill toward men. I pray today would be a day of salvation. Realizing, Lord, that's truly what the Christmas story is all about. It's not about the babe in the manger, Lord. It's about the Savior on the cross who gave his life and rose again the third day. Lord, we pray for folks that perhaps have things going on in their lives that maybe the message doesn't immediately pertain to, but we pray that they glean something that can help them in their personal walk with you. And Lord, I pray that all of us, like those shepherds that night, they got to see you for the first time, that we wouldn't go away the same way that we came in, Lord, but that we would go away changed. We would go, we would leave here later today glorifying you and praising your name for the wonderful works that you've done in our lives. We're thankful for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I actually had planned on preaching this last week, and then I felt led to preach the message I preached instead, so I decided to bring this out today. I have preached this message before, but I've been told that none of my messages are ever the same. So if you remember it, uh, maybe you'll, you'll pick up some things, but some things will seem a little bit different to you. Have you ever wondered, as you read the Christmas story, knowing who Jesus was, knowing why God sent him, knowing the reasons for his birth, have you ever wondered that the people that the, shepherd, that the angels appeared to were shepherds. Have you ever thought to yourself as you're reading that, why shepherds? I mean, if a king is going to be born, think about it. The wise men, when they saw the star in the east and they came, and of course at some point the star stopped shining. I know all the hymns say the star shone day and night. They traveled it right to the place where Jesus lay. But that's a hymn. That's not Bible. The Bible says at some point the star disappeared, and they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do. 
So what did they do? They went to the capital of Israel, right? They went to Jerusalem. Now, they weren't far off. Amen? Bethlehem is just a few miles away from Jerusalem. But let's face it, if you've got a GPS unit for Christmas, and it took you within three miles of your destination, that wouldn't help much. Amen? You say, hey, God, can I get my money back for this? And the, and, and the manager, hey, you're within three miles. What do you want? You know, what do you expect? You know? And you say, no, I want to I get to where I'm going. Right? But the wise men, when they came, they went to the capital. The wise men, when they started talking about it and started sharing with them what they had learned and what they had studied and what they understood, uh, King Herod, he said, hey, let's, let's figure this out. He called the scribes. Scribes, where is it that the Savior is going to be born? Where is it that the Messiah is supposed to show up? And, of course, they showed him that prophecy in the Old Testament prophet, the minor prophet Micah. It says, thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the nations, that's where the Deliverer is going to be born. Well, you realize when you read Matthew that not one of those people bothered to go? When Herod heard the news about Jesus' birth, folks, what did he immediately begin to do? Scheme and plan how he could get rid of them. Now, I know he said, let me know where he's born so I can come and worship him. But that's not what he wanted to do. That's not what he wanted to do. Now, Herod... If you, if you study Herod in history books, Herod was kind of a nut job, all right? He was, in fact, at this point in his life, he's just a few years from his death. Some, some historians speculate he was literally beginning to lose his mind. But Herod, for all of his greatness, I know he rebuilt the temple and he did a lot of building. And if you ever had a chance to go to Israel, you should visit Herodian, one of his many fortresses he made. I mean, it's, it's, he was a builder. I mean, he, he, had a lot of, he had some good qualities about him, but he was a person that was very, very, uh, what's that word? Just because you're... Just because you're crazy doesn't mean they're not out to get you. What's that word, that they, the psychological term for it? Just because you're... What? Paranoid. paranoid. Yeah, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. Amen? <laughs> paranoid. Paranoid. Oh, Pastor Mike, come on. You think the massacre in Bethlehem was a terrible thing? Can we all agree on that? I mean, it was terrible. And never mind when our country does unborn babies every year. But it was a terrible thing. That was a terrible, terrible thing. Herod had two of his own sons strangled because he thought they were, they were trying to work something out to get his kingdom from. That, that's the kind of guy. Herod had one of his wives killed so he could marry another. Herod, Herod was just, he was a few fries short of a happy meal, amen? He had some things going on there that we don't know about. For all of his, for all of his great accomplishments, for all of his great uh, political abilities, he was quite the politician. Herod, but his immediate response was, I, I don't want to go worship him. He says, i got to get rid of this guy. He's a threat to me. I'm the king. If there's a new king, I've got to get rid of the new king so that I can stay king. That was his immediate thought. And that's kind of surprising that that would be his reaction, but that was his immediate thought. Now, the scribes, folks, scribes in the Bible were people that copied the word of God. They didn't have printing presses yet. That's not going to show up for another 1,500 years or so. Uh, if you wanted a copy of the word of God, you had to pay somebody to physically write out. And as scrolls, of course, they weren't books like you, well, like we use now. They were scrolls. You know, they're wound up and stuff. And as they began to wear out and stuff, they would hire a scribe. And a scribe would copy word for word the scriptures and that's why they asked the scribes. When you write something a number of times, it helps you to remember it. Sometimes if I'm going to sing a special, which I don't do that quite as often now that my throat has uh, lost some of that lovely melodiousness that my son-in-law still has, but sometimes I'm going to sing a song, sometimes I'll write out the words I'm supposed to sing ahead of time just to kind of refresh them. It doesn't always help, though, at this age. I don't know why that is. But, you know, I, I, when I was a kid, you know, that was a good, a good way to memorize stuff. 
the, the reason people in my generation know their times tables and don't need the cashier to make change for us is because we wrote in class four times four and sixteen, four times nine is twenty, four times yeah. I mean, and, but it was, boy, we said boom. That's that. That's what it's, why from writing it, writing, writing. So they asked the scribes, hey, where is the Messiah going to go? Boom, hey, that's in Micah chapter seven. I mean, they they knew. But here's these people that their whole livelihood, their whole profession, I mean, and, don't, and folks, don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to put scribes down. The scribes took their profession very seriously. I read in, in some of my commentaries that when a scribe came across the name Jehovah, he would get a new quill, he would stop writing, he would go take a ceremonial uh, bath and put on clean clothes before he would write out the name Jehovah. And the, I mean... They were what you would think of as very religious, very uh, 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 respectful towards the Word of God. And yet, they're asking, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Oh, he's born in Bethlehem. The scribe didn't make the five or six mile journey, or 50, I forget what it is. I'd have to refresh my geography, but it's not far. I can tell you this, from Herodian, you can see the Mount of Olives this direction, and you can see Bethlehem right over here. You can see it with the naked eye. So it's not a huge it's not a huge distance, all right? It's not like impossible to think that it'd be that big a deal to get up the next day. Hey, let's go check this out, man. There's a the the, the, the one that's born king, the promised Messiah. He's right. But here's a religious crowd. What do they do about it? Nothing. Nothing. And yet on the night that Jesus was born, we read that right after Mary has brought forth their firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in there in the manger. These shepherds are out on the hillside keeping watch over their flocks by night. Now let me just give you some things to think about with shepherds. Shepherding is an occupation that we find in the scriptures quite often, right? Who was the first shepherd? Eve had two sons. Cain was a tiller of the ground. Abel was a keeper of sheep. Now, I know the Bible doesn't say shepherd, but when you keep sheep, you're a shepherd. <laughs> I'll just help you out, but amen. It's, it's the same thing. Man. You, know, you know, it's like uh, you, you, you can go by mom, mama, you know, uh, mother, whatever, but if you got kids, you're a mama, right? I mean, it doesn't matter what you call it. So we got the very first man that's listed in Hebrews chapter 11 among those, the hall of faith, Christians that have pleased God with their faith. The very first person listed is Abel, who brought to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. I want you to think about some of the people that we would think about as Bible heroes. What was Abraham's profession when God called him to begin the Israelite nation? He was a shepherd. What was Jacob's profession? He was a shepherd. What was Moses doing, folks, when God spoke to him from the burning bush? He was shepherding. What was David doing when the prophet Samuel told his dad, Jesse, hey, Jesse, we're going to have a special feast. I want you to make sure all your kids are there. Now, I'll be honest with you. The more kids you have, the harder it is to get them all there. Amen? If Sylvia was here, I'm sure she'd say amen to that. I know, you know, the more you have. But Jesse brings all these boys in. He brings in his firstborn son, Eli. Eli's this big, strapping young man, you know, in the prime of his life. He's looking good. He's strong. He's good looking. He's tall. And Samuel sees him and thinks, whoa, this has got to be the next king of Israel. Look at this guy. And you remember what God told him? He said, Samuel, don't look on the height of the stature. Don't, don't be impressed by that stuff. He says, man sees the outside. Now, folks, I understand. We see the outside. You can't see in my heart. I can't see inside your heart. 
But that's okay. We can still get the outside fixed up as much as we can. Amen? I know it doesn't look like it, but I did work a little bit to look like this today. I know not much. Not much. But I'm, I'm trying to put my best foot forward. This is as good as it gets. I don't know what to tell you. you know? I mean, uh, but anyway, that, that, you know, that, but we, we try to do that. Because that's all, that's all. I hear people say something, well, it doesn't matter how you come to church because God looks at the heart. The thing is, everybody else sees you're outside. And the way we are looking when we come to church reflects our attitude towards that. Uh, this is in the notes, but let me just throw this out here. If one of you, if your loved one had passed away, and I stopped by the funeral home in my oil-changing sweatshirt and my ragged jeans and muddy boots and tracked through this, and man, I want to just offer my condolences, I'm sure you'd be thankful that I came. But at the same time, I'm sure you might also think, man, he comes to my loved one's funeral looking like this. We got a young newlywed couple here, man, that married eight days, they're still together. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm sure if I showed up the day of the wedding wearing a t-shirt, you know, and a pair of gym shorts with my high tops, and okay, you guys ready to get married? Is it like, where else am I? What are you? Well, hey, man, this is good enough to play basketball. This ain't good enough to get married in. Come on, what's the deal? Say, hey, come on. This is a special kid. This is important. This is, and you know what, folks? That, that's why we call church, we meet together on the Lord's Day. And I don't want you to think there's a dress. There is no dress. All I'm saying is, we ought, to, we ought to put our best foot forward. There's nothing wrong with that, because that's all man can see. It's all man can see. But God told Samuel, hey, listen, Samuel, I'm looking at the heart, and this guy's heart isn't what I want. And they went through the other seven brothers. Now remember, Jesse's been told what? Bring all your kids to the feast. Bring all your kids. So Samuel looks at those seven boys, and he says, Jesse, is this all your kids? Jesse says, yeah, that's all of them. Well, wait a minute. Yeah, there's one more. But he's just keeping the sheep. Because that was thought of as a, as a kid's job. That was thought of as a non-important type thing. But you know what happened to that eighth boy? He became the second king of Israel. Because he had a heart for serving God. Now Christ himself referred to himself in John chapter 10 as the good shepherd. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 13 calls him the great shepherd. Peter, in his first epistle in chapter 5, calls him the chief shepherd. But you've got to understand something, folks, is even though the Bible exalts the idea of being shepherd, the Bible talks about pastors being shepherds of the flock. In fact, I read that the word pastor, our English word pastor, comes from a Latin word, which means shepherd. Interestingly enough. Now, a shepherd's job was hard because... As I've mentioned to you a few times before, sheep are considered one of the most stupidest animals that God ever created. Out west, when the cattle guys argued with the sheep guys, it's because the sheep guys would eat the grass right to the ground, pull it up by the roots, and, it, and you turn it into a dust bowl. Cows won't eat so far down, but they'll move on. They'll move on. The sheep won't. Unless the shepherd takes and leads the sheep to other pasture, they'll just stay in the same place. Sheep don't have any good sense of direction. They can't find their way home. They get lost, they're lost. They're out of it. Sheep have no natural defense against enemies. They're helpless. I mean, it's, 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 it's a fascinating thing, but when you think about the term shepherd, here in our church circles, here in our, our you know, as believers, we hear shepherd, we think good things, right? But it's a very interesting thing. If you were to take your Bible and turn to the book of Genesis to the story, when Jacob decides to leave Canaan land and come to Egypt during the, the years of famine, right? The seven bad years. It's already year number two. He's coming down here. 
Joseph, his son, tells him now, his, him and his brothers, he says, now when you come to see the Pharaoh, tell him that your business is keeping sheep. You know what the next phrase in the Bible says? For shepherds are an abomination to the Egyptians. That's a fat. No, it's a scenario. Yeah, so what, Pastor Mike? Who, who cares? The, the, the Egyptians didn't like shepherds. Let, let me run that by you again. Here's God's chosen people. What is their profession? They're shepherds. God instructs them to go down to Egypt. Egypt is always a picture of what? The world. The unsaved world. The world under the curse of sin. The big guy in charge, Pharaoh, who's the head guy, what does he think about shepherds? He thinks that they're scum of the earth, man. That's abomination. That's disgusting. You, you're out there with all those smelly sheep. Now, let's be honest. Livestock pretty much uh, doesn't necessarily smell good. Amen? I mean, hey, who wouldn't like going to Lucky? By the way, boy, my wife and I got a couple of Lucky's gifts. Thank, thank you, man. We're looking forward to that. But we like going to Lucky's, but we might not like it so much if we spend about an hour in the cattle barn, you know, right before. Amen? We might, eh, I don't know about that. You know? And, and, but the, and the shepherds were with them all the time. And the Egyptians looked down their nose at that. And let's be honest. Does the world look down their nose at shepherds now? Pastors? Oh, yeah. If, you, if, you, if you're watching a movie on a TV or a TV show and something shady is going on and there's a preacher involved, who's probably the bad guy? The preacher. He's probably stealing the money. He's probably sleeping with the piano player. Now, I don't sleep with that piano player, but the one that started out. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you know, he's, he's always pulling something, right? Those preachers, you can't trust them. They're they've always got something going on. They're always, I mean, isn't that just how the world kind of portrays things? And I know there are bad preachers. I'm not saying that there aren't. I'm just saying, isn't that, isn't that funny the way the world looks? Hey, uh, when I moved to Caseville, man, I hear this all the time. Oh, you're a preacher, huh? Worth one day a week. Man, that's a great job. I wish I could get that. I mean, the world just looks down their nose at that, and yet, folks, that's an extremely important calling in God's eyes. But to put this in context, as we read the passage right now, the Bible says there were in the same country shepherds keeping watch over their, abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Now, who were these shepherds? We don't know their individual names, but there's a couple things we know about them. Number one, they were taking their work very seriously, Amen. I don't know, these younger kids, they don't know about this stuff, but when I was a kid, there were Bugs Bunny cartoons and the Roadrunner and all this stuff, and they had this one bit with the one sheepdog that they would punch in and punch out, you know, when they were watching the sheep and all that, you know. You know. But these guys, they didn't have a time clock to punch in and punch out, amen? They were out there. Uh, some of my commentaries say that the reason they were out there is because that was the time that the ewes were giving birth to the lambs, and these were the very lambs that were going to be used for the Passover sacrifice coming up very soon. And then it's fitting that that was when Jesus was born. Now, does that line up with December 25th? I don't even want to open that can of worms. Some people say, oh, yes, that lines up. Some people say, no way. It doesn't really matter if he was born. Amen? It doesn't matter when it was. Well, here's these shepherds. They're out there. They're trying to protect these, these ewes, these mother sheep, as they're giving birth. They're vulnerable already. And they're especially vulnerable, laying there in the ground, going through birth pains and stuff, and they're taking care of this. And just picture yourself, you're out in the woods. Hey, I don't know how long it's been since you've been camping. 
My wife and I haven't been camping since my sister built a place in Higgins Lake. So it's been a lot of years, and not since 1993. But I, I know going camping, you know, when there's no electricity, now I'm not talking about Sleeper State Park or Port Crescent State Park camping. I'm talking about you drive out in the boondocks and you, you, you make a pile uh, of rocks for a fire pit, set up a tent, and you camp. You know, there's no lights, there's no water hookup, there's no, pl there's no electric plug for the RV. I'm not talking about that kind of camping, all right? I'm talking about real rough woods type camping. I mean, Man, it is pitch black. Just imagine yourself being out in the fields. You can maybe see the lights of the city, you know, a couple miles off. But you're out here on the hillsides. You're doing your thing like you've been doing most of your life. And suddenly, is that what the Bible says? And suddenly, this bright light appears. It's an angel. Which angel? We don't know. We suspect it's probably Gabriel. Gabriel seems to be the announcer angel, although he's not named specifically here. Just as an angel. And what is their reaction as shepherds? Scared to death. That doesn't mean they were wimps or sissies. They just, that was a scary thing. Hey, we're out here. There's no source of natural light. There's nothing going on. Suddenly, the whole place is lit up like noonday. Now, what are the first words out of the angel's mouth? Fear not. Folks, when we are confronted with spiritual truth, when we are confronted with a message from God, if we're not careful, we, we need to realize our human nature, our sinful nature, is always afraid of that. Our sinful nature always recoils of it. Our sinful nature always realizes how inadequate, how short we fall of the glory of God. And, and that light, uh, the Bible says men love darkness. Why? Because their deeds are evil. But the Bible commands us as believers to do what? To walk in the light. The light of what, Pastor? The light of God's word instructing us how it is we're supposed to live our lives as believers. Not the light of what the world says. My sister uh, teaches classes at corporations and stuff for a living. She, she, she makes a real good living doing that. Uh, much, much better than either, probably more than both her brothers combined. To be honest with you. But she was telling me this thing that she, she does. She says, I love doing this, Mike. This always gets the engineers. Now, you can just watch me. You don't have to do it in your seat. But she says, I have everybody in the room hold up their hand. And I say, now move your hand in a clockwise position. And they all get their hands moving in a clockwise position. I said, now, I want you to bring your hand down, and I want you to look at it now. I said, wait a minute, it's going counterclockwise. And she says, the engineers always got to do that five or six times, you know, to see. <laughs> because I, I never change the direction of my hand. Why is it this way? You know, it's going, but then I get down here. Yeah, I, she said, that gets the engineers every time. But here's the thing, folks. We all see things from a slightly different perspective. And what we need to do is learn to see things from God's perspective. That's why we have disagreements in marriage. That's why we have disagreements among family. Because you've got your angle, I've got my angle. We're seeing it from here, we're seeing it from there. But we've got to remember, hey, how does God see this? What is it that God wants to have happen? So the angel right away, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. You know that word good tidings is, is pretty much the meaning of the word Gospel. What is the gospel? Good news. What's the news? Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Jesus took the penalty that you deserve. Jesus took your place. And all you need to do to be right with God is to accept the gift of salvation offered by Him. By faith. Repent of your sins. Accept Him by faith. 
Folks, that's great news. That's great news. Behold, I bring you good tidings and great joy, which shall be to what people? Sometimes people tell me, well, Christianity is the white man's religion. But folks, that's not what you read in the Bible. Number one, who did Jesus come to? He, he came to, the, to the, the nation of Israel. But when you read in the book of Acts, where does the message go to? Well, in Acts chapter 8, it goes to the Ethiopian eunuch. In Acts chapter 9, it goes to Saul of Tarsus. In Acts chapter 10, it goes to Cornelius, uh, the three sons of Noah, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. You know what that tells That's good news for all people. That's good news for all people. Christianity is a message for everyone, everywhere, folks. Well, Pastor Mike, I don't want to offend their cultural identity and their traditions. Uh, where are you going to offend them to? Hell number two? Well, they're entitled to... I, listen, folks, they are entitled to their own beliefs, but we are commanded to share the news of Jesus Christ. So they came to the shepherds and said, hey, we bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now that's not unusual. Lots of women wrap their babies in swaddling clothes. Although if you're the king, you probably got a little bit better than swaddling clothes. Amen. They probably had a royal, uh, you know, blanket all ready for you. But, but for the common people wrapping in swaddling clothes, you know, that was kind of a common thing. But... Lying in a manger. Now, we've got a little wood manger I made years ago for a Christmas play when I was a youth pastor in Connecticut. The manger that they use in Israel probably didn't look like that. I know, all your nativity scenes got one that looks something like that, right? The, the manger, I'm told, was probably a, a, a stone trough that was carved out. Okay? But here's the thing. Who, who would put their newborn baby in a feeding trough for animals. I mean, that just doesn't seem very sanitary, amen? I mean, I'd be afraid that, you know, you lay the baby in there, and then the goats are coming up, meh, meh, you know, hey, get away from that, you know, leave, leave that kid alone. I mean, it's, that's a crazy thing. And the Bible says, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the high. The shepherds got to hear that choir. You ever, you ever heard a really good choir I remember as a kid, I grew up, I grew up in a larger ministry uh, than, than, what I, than what I'm in right now. I grew up in a ministry that wasn't unusual for there to be over a thousand people there every week. And I'm like, for Sundays and stuff like that, there, there might be, uh, for Christmas services, there might be 13, 1,400 people. And I can remember sitting there the first time hearing the choir sing, Oh, Holy Night. And then when they, they had a soloist, you know, doing the, the verse part, then the whole choir joined in. I mean... The choir at my home church, unfortunately, was more people than what we got here today. Amen. So it was a good, it was a good size choir. All right. And then when they said, fall on your knees, man, I almost slid out of the pew at my knees. And I'm like, whoa. I can just imagine what that was like for those shepherds to hear that and to experience that. Wouldn't that have been a glorious thing? But now I want you to notice a couple things, folks. What does the Bible tell us? Just simply hearing the news was not enough for the shepherds. The Bible says that it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, well, we better get back to watching the sheep. Pastor Mike, that's not what my Bible says. Yeah, that's not what my Bible says either, but I'm just looking for your reaction. You know, it's a shame that a lot of people, they claim to love the Lord. They claim to believe in Jesus. They claim they put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, but he's never made a real difference in their life. Folks, I would question 
my salvation if Jesus hasn't really made a difference in my life? If you've simply added Christ to your list of what things I got to do, things I got to take care of, activities I'm involved in, if you've simply added Him in to your list of what's, what your agenda is, then folks, I, I would question whether you've ever truly been born again. I don't say that lightly. I don't say that to scare you. I'm trying to show you something. Well, Pastor Mike, if you preached as good as those angels saying, it probably wouldn't make a difference in my life. Hey, listen, look what the Scripture says. Look what it says. As soon as they were gone, hey, let us now go even unto Bethlehem. Right now. Hey, you know when the time is to do something that the Lord has laid on your heart? Right now. Very interesting. You read in the book of Acts how the Apostle Paul is witnessing to a guy. I'm pretty sure it was Herod. He's witnessing to Herod. He's talking about what Herod needs to do. He needs to put his faith and trust. And Herod says, you know what, Paul? Almost thou persuadest me. But folks, almost doesn't count. Ladies, there's no such thing as almost pregnant, right? No such thing as almost married. No such thing as almost rich. <laughs> hey, almost thou persuadest me. He heard the gospel. He was convicted. But for whatever reason, he didn't want... But that not so with these shepherds. He says, let us now go unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass which the Lord hath made known unto us. Folks, I know it's difficult probably to come here Sunday after Sunday and listen to a guy like me. I'm nobody special. I'm nobody great. I'm, I'm... But folks, when we're talking about the Word of God, understand something. That is God speaking to you. The message wasn't special because the angels delivered it, folks. Get, try to understand that. This message was special because God sent it. God sent Jesus. Don't get hung up on the messenger. By the way, that's, that's what the word angel means in your New Testament, by the way. A literal translation of the word translated angel could be messenger. So if you want to refer to Pastor Mike as your angel, I mean, that's, that's up to you. I don't know if I would. Uh, but I'm just saying, it's a message. Hey, listen, don't get, don't get all wrapped up in the messenger. Look at the message. Look at what they didn't say. Wow, wasn't that great seeing the angels? It's, hey, let's go find out what the Lord has made known unto us. Hey, folks, are you doing something with what God has communicated to your heart? That's the whole point of Scripture. Church isn't supposed to be about accumulating facts, accumulating knowledge, accumulating dates, accumulating uh, how this guy was related to him and how he was related. And those are all good things to know. I'm not saying you shouldn't know those things. Study to show that self-approved unto God. But the purpose of Scripture is to make a difference in your life. The Word of God is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. The dividing asunder of the soul and spirit, the joints and marrow. It's, it, it can discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Bible is there, folks, to help us to make a difference in our life. Herod heard it. Well, this is really messing up my plan. I've got to take this kid out. Scribes heard it. Well, I'm pretty busy. I'm right in the middle of Isaiah. But if I finish that, maybe I'll go check this out in my convenience. I mean, there's no record he said that, but that might have been what he was thinking. I don't know. If the scribes knew about it, I guarantee you the chief priests and rulers in Jerusalem knew about it. But nobody did anything about it. You know who did something about it? The shepherds. Wow. Let's go right 
now. Now, the Bible says they went, they found. By the way, I don't think that they necessarily found him right away. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say how long it took to find him. I mean, I got to believe there was more than one manger in Bethlehem. Amen? <laughs> and as shepherds, they probably knew several different places to go. But they, they went there. They came with haste. They found them, which implies they had to search. They found the babe. And when they had seen it, notice what it says. They made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Not only did they go and experience it for themselves, folks, but they spread the news to other people. Hey, listen, if you're here this morning, and if you trusted Christ as your personal Savior, you have a responsibility to share that news with other people. What did Jesus say in Matthew 28? All power is given unto me. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That word teach means make them a disciple. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded thee. And Acts 1.8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Pastor Mike, I, I, man, I, just, I, just, I don't have that gift to talk like you have. You know what? The Bible didn't say you have to have a gift to talk. The Bible just said you had to be a witness. Hey, if we heard a, God forbid this would happen, but if we heard a screech of tires and the crunch of metal right now on an M25, and there was a big accident, as the police were asking about witnesses, while we could say, sitting in this room, that we heard it, could any of us say that we saw it? No. Truth is, we really don't know what happened. Now, you could say, well, but wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm a college graduate. Don't you want my testimony? Well, did you see what happened? Well, no, I didn't see it. But hey, I, I could be an expert witness. Well, I am so sick of expert witnesses in the legal system, aren't you? Could we just get the people that, that were there? Or that weren't there. <laughs> Let's get rid of them. I'm an expert witness. I'm, I, I, I want to testify as the state of mind of the shepherds as the angels appeared to them. That, hey, a witness just means you were there. You saw it. You experienced it. Hey, listen, folks. If you trusted Christ as your Savior, you're qualified to be a witness. You just tell people. Just tell people about it. This is what the Lord did for me. You might not have all the verses memorized. You might not understand uh, some of the crucial facts. But boy, you can tell what difference the Lord has made in your life. Those shepherds went in. They experienced Jesus Christ for themselves. And man, they went out. They were telling everybody. Guess what happened to us, man? We're out in the fields. We're doing our thing. We're shepherding. You know, we're listening to the sheep. Bye-bye and all that stuff. We're talking. And, and suddenly, boom, there's this angel that says, hey, there's this baby that's laying in the manger. This is, he's Jesus, our Savior. It's good news for all people. So, man, we got up. We were checking out. And guess what? We found him. He's here. Shepherds in the time of Christ were not considered qualified to testify in court. Pastor Mike, why would God choose them? I think it, it goes to show the veracity, the genuineness of the gospel message. Did you know the women that went to the tomb that found the empty tomb? Women weren't allowed to testify in court either. Nobody that was making up a story would make up witnesses that weren't allowed to testify. <laughs> they would make up witnesses that were considered those expert witnesses we just talked about. <laughs> But even though the, the people didn't respect them as shepherds, they were still willing to, to stand up and speak up. Now, what difference did it make? Well, 
The Bible tells us that many that heard wondered about it, but it doesn't seem to have made much difference. I'll tell you one thing. I suspect it was a tremendous, tremendous encouragement to Joseph and Mary. You know, folks, I think sometimes you and I, we lose sight of Bible characters because the Bible covers their lives in just a few pages, and we forget about the time in between. Mary has seen Gabriel tell her she's going to have a baby, but now nine months have gone by. I don't know, nine months doesn't seem like a long time, but I'm told by women that have given birth, like my wife, four times, uh, that nine months can seem like a long time. Did all the ladies say amen? amen? Oh, yeah, it can seem like a real long time. And that's just the beginning, man. That's just to get them here. Then you're stuck with them for life after that. But I mean, that, that can seem like a long time. For nine months, folks, she hasn't seen any evidence that the Lord is still in this. For nine months, she hasn't had any kind of a sign or a revelation or anything. She is still going on what God told her nine months ago. I mean, I guess you could say Joseph taking her as his wife, that's, a, that's like a reaff, an affirmation of, okay, this is the real deal. Joseph's accepting responsibility, even though he knows the baby is and has by the Lord's really working on But now nothing has gone by. They get to Bethlehem, none of the family will even let them stay with them in their ends. They're out in the stinking barn. When I was a kid, that was considered an insult. Well, we are born in a barn? Shut the door. But our Savior was born in a barn, right? Really, in, in Israel, it was probably a cave. That's okay. You can keep Don't throw away your nativity scene. It's okay. <laughs> but he was born where livestock were. Now, she's, she's gone through her labor. She's delivered the baby. That's her and Joseph all alone. Out in this sheepfold. And now suddenly, the church shepherds arrive. Hey, guess what? We had an angel tell us that some crazy woman's got her newborn baby laid in a manger. You must be the one! That means this is a savior! Hey, do you think that encouraged Mary? Do you think that encouraged Joseph? Knowing what they're going to be facing in the days ahead? Having to go to Egypt to get away from here? Not able to, to, to go back to Bethlehem where they wanted to settle down? They had to go back to their hometown. And start over with all the things that people had said and all the bad, all the, the rumors, all that. They, they had to just live right in the middle of that. But you know what? That encouraged. Folks, that's why as believers it's important that we try to be faithful to the house of God. It's not just for what we're getting out of it. It's for how we're ministering to others around us. Those shepherds ministered to Joseph and Mary that night, folks. Make no mistake about it. They encourage them. They strengthen them in their faith. And the last thing I want you to see, there in uh, the last verse that we read, verse 20. The shepherds returned. They had to get back to work. They had to come back to, their, to, to, to what they were supposed to be doing. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. You know what? Those shepherds were never the same. Those shepherds returned changed. Folks, the Bible tells me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Jesus ought to make a difference in your life. He certainly made a difference in the life of those shepherds. 
Why shepherds? I think it's because God wanted to show that the message of salvation wasn't just for the quote-unquote religious people. It wasn't just for the, the rich people. The Bible tells us that we're in Corinthians, God hath chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith. There's an old saying, the rich man will pay. When you're a rich guy, you get bad news, okay, I'll write a check, I'll get the money out. When the poor guy gets bad news, you know what he does? He prays, God, you got to help me. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And the, and the Bible tells us God has chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith. God help us this morning as we leave here today to try to see the Christmas story from the perspective of those shepherds. They were poor, working class, blue collar. Hey, those shepherds, they smelled like the sheep, amen? Those shepherds, they probably didn't look like they had just stepped out of a Sears Roebuck catalog, amen, with all their, yeah, this is this year's uh, fleece collection, you know, but uh, no, they, they've been out in the fields. But you know what? They heard the message, they believed it, they verified it for themselves, and they went out telling everybody. And folks, that's what we need to be doing. We need to be telling people what a difference Jesus has made in our life. Let's look to the Lord in word of prayer. Lord, we're thankful for this time together this morning. God, I pray you'd help each of us to consider the message. Lord, not my message, but the message from your word.